be back. Seems like it's been a long time uh, since uh, we were here. We're glad to be with you all. Appreciate Mark's warm welcome as usual. I'm happy for the opportunity to preach to Mark again. <laughs> uh, good to be with you all. You know, the Bible presents many ideas to us that are different than what we would have thought about them, those concepts and those ideas. Many times what the Bible shows us is 180 degrees opposite of what we would normally think. And that goes along the lines of what Grant just read for us in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And as high as the heavens are from the earth are his thoughts than our thoughts and his ways than our ways. God presents things to us in the Bible that are counter to the way that we would normally think about them. And when we encounter those ideas in the Bible that, that sort of hit us in the face that are different than what we would normally think about, then we, need to, we have two options. What many will do when they come across ideas that are different than what they would think is they just throw those away, and they discount them, and they ignore them in favor of what they would think. But the second option is, the one that we should all do, is that we should be alerted to the fact that when we read something in the Bible that's different than what we would think normally, then we have the opportunity presented to us to get our thinking more in line with what God has said. And we have the opportunity to challenge ourselves in this area that is counter to what we normally would think. We have something like that in Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, verse 5, it hit me here. A phrase hit me when we were studying this in, with Grant a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now, I guess. But the idea stuck with me, and I wanted to examine it further. But notice with me in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, beginning. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there's no partiality with God. What strikes me here is this idea that Paul presents here, those who obey unrighteousness. Paul presents engaging in sin as in obeying unrighteousness. And that's interesting because normally when we think about sin, at least the way I think about sin, I would think about sin as being something as disobeying righteousness. When I sin, I'm disobeying righteousness. But Paul presents it as being obeying unrighteousness. That's different than the way I would normally think. And I think if we stop and consider this idea that when we're sinning, we're obeying unrighteousness, I think that might help us have a better idea of what sin is all about and what our attitude towards sin would be. That when we sin, we're obeying unrighteousness. Certainly we're disobeying righteousness when we sin, but we're also obeying unrighteousness, and that has some pretty important implications for us. That when we sin, we're obeying unrighteousness. First off, 
The idea of obeying or obedience means that you're in submission to something. Obeying or being obedient means you're in submission. Obedience is defined by dictionary.com as obedience is submission to another's authority. Webster defy, defines obedient as being submissive to the restraint or command of authority. You know, when I sin, I am obeying unrighteousness. That means I am yielding my will to another's authority. And that's different than how the devil would like us to see sin. And it is different than how the devil has always sold sin. The devil tries to tell us that we can be free and not be under any authority just by sinning. You remember back in the Garden of Eden? You remember what Satan told Eve? Satan said, did God really say you have to do this? And you can't do this? Did he really say you can't do this? You don't have to obey. You don't have to be in submission. That's what the devil wants you to believe. He pits our desires against God's will and says, you know, it isn't that hard to figure this out. You can do whatever you want if you'll just disobey. You can be free. You can have all kinds of freedom. You can enjoy pleasure. You can do all that you want to do. You can enjoy fulfillment if you'll just do what you want to do. But Paul says it's different than that, isn't it? Paul says it is different when you, or you sin, you're obeying unrighteousness. You're submitting your will. You're in subjection. That's what the word means. Submission to another's authority. The devil wants to sell you on the idea of being able to do whatever you want to do. Having no restrictions. But it's an empty promise. Because when you disobey, you're actually obeying unrighteousness. You're obeying the dictates of your fleshly desires. You're obeying the devil. You're submitting to him. You're submitting to your desires. We are driven by our thinking. We're driven by our wants. We're driven by our passions. We're driven by our desires. And we're yielding to them. We're obeying them. And we're actually obeying the devil. In John chapter 8, verse 44. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of the fa your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Do you see this? When we're sinning, we're doing the desires of the devil. We're obeying him. And we might like to think that we're completely free when we disobey, that we're doing whatever we want to do. But Paul says, no, you're not. You're obeying something. You're obeying unrighteousness. You're submitting to the devil. You're doing his will. And furthermore, when we sin, we're also the slaves of that sin. We're doing his will. And we become the slaves of sin. We can obey unrighteousness, Paul says. We can obey unrighteousness. There's no other option here. You're either going to obey righteousness or you're going to obey unrighteousness. Which one are you going to do? 
Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says it this way. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Here's the idea of obedience again, isn't it? You're going to obey one of two things. You're going to obey sin or you're going to obey righteousness. Which one are you going to do? But their choice then will have consequences because you're going to now be the slaves of that one. You're going to be either the slaves of righteousness or the slaves of unrighteousness. When we obey unrighteousness, we become the slaves of sin and unrighteousness. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 24, that you can't have it both ways. There's no middle ground. You can only have one master. Either you're going to obey God and righteousness, or you're going to obey the devil and unrighteousness. In Matthew 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You're only going to have one master. You're only going to be the slave to one, either righteousness or unrighteousness. And over and over again, the Bible tells us that when we sin, we become the slave of unrighteousness. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whosoever commits sin is a slave of sin. This goes along with the idea of being obedient to unrighteousness, doesn't it? Obeying sin. Being the slave of sin. This isn't the detail that the devil wants us to see when he talks to us about sinning and tries to convince us that sin is a good thing. He didn't tell Eve, eat this forbidden fruit and you can be my slave. He doesn't tell us, yield to this lust of the flesh and I'll be your master. He doesn't tell us, just do this and I'll rule over you, you'll be my slave. He doesn't tell us that, but that is the truth of it, isn't it? When we sin, we're obeying the devil and he becomes our master. That's the way it is. And we can see it in the lives of others, can't we? We can see it in the life of the alcoholic. We can see how the alcoholic is a slave to his alcohol. How the alcohol drives the alcoholic to ruin his life. And over and over again, he just goes back to the alcohol. He's entrapped by the alcohol. And it is destroying his life, but he keeps going back to it. He's a slave to that. We can see it in the lives of the person who is maybe self-centered or self-serving. The person who's selfish. Who only looks out for his or her desires. And her or her own interest. And every relationship that that person has is tainted by the selfishness. And we can see how ultimately it has made that person unhappy and how it is driving others away from them. And yet that person keeps going back for more. If they can just get one more thing that they want, then they'll be happy and it'll all be fulfilled. You see how they're trapped by that? They're slaves of that? Do we see it in ourselves, though, when we sin? How sin becomes our master? And we become slave to sin when we're obeying unrighteousness? How about our pride? Do we see it in ourselves how pride can become our master? And how everything we do is dictated by how it will make others think about us and how it will lift us up in the eyes of others and make us look like we're superior? Do we see how 
covetousness can become our master and we can become a slave to covetousness where I've just got to have more and more stuff and I'm driven by that, how it now becomes my master. Or envy and jealousy or bitterness or lust. How these things can become my master when I am obeying unrighteousness. I become a slave to these things. I become their servant. When we sin, we're slaves to sin. When we obey unrighteousness. And by obeying unrighteousness, I want to tell you, we buy into this promise of liberty that sin presents. That you can be free, you can do whatever you want to do. But what sin really delivers is bondage, doesn't it? We are servants serving a master. And that servitude is described as bondage in 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, look at the beginning of verse 17. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. When they, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him he is also brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse with them, for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. For it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. This relationship of us being slaves to sin is described as being in bondage. Now there are some master-servant relationships or master-slave relationships that are good and beneficial. You remember the relationship between Potiphar and Joseph? That master-servant relationship? I think you'd have to say that was a pretty good relationship, wasn't it? How about Joseph and Pharaoh? That was a pretty good relationship as well, wasn't it? Joseph and Pharaoh. Joseph had a great relationship with Pharaoh, yet he was still servant of Pharaoh. In fact, there are others in the Bible that we could list that had that slave-master relationship where it was a beneficial relationship and a good relationship. In fact, the Old Testament mentions this. You remember in Exodus 21, we're not going to look there, but in Exodus 21, beginning of verse 2 down through verse 6, it talks about a master-servant relationship that was a beneficial relationship. You could go into a master-servant relationship in the Old Testament, perhaps to pay off a debt, where you could have another Hebrew as your servant. And that relationship could last at most six years. And in the seventh year, the year of Jubilee, that, year, that uh, relationship had to end. Yet the servant could say, you know what, I like being a servant in my master's house so much, it's so good for me, I'm going to stay. And you can say, I'm going to be your servant forever because it's so good here. I like it so much. And they would take the servant to the doorpost and they'd, they'd pierce his ear. They'd take an awl and put a hole in his earlobe to show that he, I guess it was his earlobe, somewhere in his ear, to show that he was going to be my servant forever because it was a good, beneficial relationship. You wouldn't describe that relationship as bondage. 
Bondage, as Webster defines it, is a state of being bound, usually by compulsion. And also he defines this as servitude or subjugation to a controlling person or force. The idea of bondage is being that you're trapped. That you're forced into your servitude against what you would like. It is not beneficial. It is not good. You are trapped. You're forced. And that's the idea of being slaves of the devil and servants of sin. When we obey unrighteousness, we become in bondage to that unrighteousness. We become trapped. We're bound in this sin. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning of verse 24. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will give them repentance, so they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. There's your bondage, isn't it? You're ensnared in sin. You're trapped, and you need to escape. The devil tried to convince you that if you'll just follow me, if you'll just sin, you'll be free. You don't have to worry about any rules. You'll have liberty. And yet when we bought that lie, we're actually delivered into bondage. Not only bondage, but when we sin, when we obey unrighteousness, that sin promises us life, but it actually delivers death. The relationship with the master, when we obey him, is so bad that he'll ultimately kill us. Again, this is different than what he sold us. He sold us the idea that if you will follow me, you'll enjoy life to the fullest. Isn't that what he told Eve in the garden? He told Eve in the garden, God said you'll eat this and you'll die, but that's not really true. If you'll eat this, it'll be great. You'll be able to enjoy life to the fullest. And that is the lie that he is still selling today. He says, yeah, God may have said you can't sin, and if you sin, you'll die, but no, listen. If you'll obey me, if you'll sin, you'll really be able to finally enjoy all that life has to offer. You'll be able to enjoy life to the fullest. You'll have fulfillment. Everything will be great. This is what you want. And look at all the people around you who get to sin. All of the people in the world who don't care anything about God, look how good their life is. Look how much fun they get to have on Friday night. Look at all of the things that they get to enjoy. They're enjoying life to the fullest is what the devil wants you to believe. Yet God says it's going to lead to death. In Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 beginning of verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were the slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in terms, human terms because of your, the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit did you have uh, then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become the slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see how Satan promises us life, and yet he delivers death? When we obey him, when we obey unrighteousness, the end of that is death. In James chapter 1, beginning of verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone, he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. When we obey unrighteousness. We are obeying, that means we're in submission to unrighteousness. We're obeying the dictates of our fleshly desires of the devil. We become slaves to that sin. The sin that promised us liberty brings us into bondage and captivity. And that captivity delivers us to death. But there's one more thing that we need to note. And that is Jesus can set us free. When we have obeyed unrighteousness, when we have submitted to the devil, when we submitted to our fleshly desires and become slaves to sin in bondage to a master who will kill us, we need deliverance. And I'll tell you, there is nothing that we can do to deliver ourselves. We need to be delivered by Christ through the grace of God. And that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, beginning verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. We're in a terrible spot when we obey unrighteousness. We don't have to stay there. We can be freed from our past. We can be freed from the consequences of sin and obeying unrighteousness if we'll submit to Jesus. We can enjoy the blessings of being in a relationship with God. The Bible many times presents ideas to us that are 180 degrees opposite of what we would think. We might many times think about sin as being disobeying righteous, righteousness. But Paul tells us that when we sin, we're actually obeying unrighteousness. And that has a lot of implications for us. Who have you been obeying? Have you been obeying God? Or have you been obeying the devil? You're going to obey one. There's no middle ground. There's no riding the fence. Either you're obeying God or you're obeying the devil. If you've been obeying unrighteousness, can we help you fix that this morning? If you're not a Christian yet, there's no better time than right now to become one. Or if you're a Christian and need help, can we help you? We let us know while we stand and sing.